Section 4 of The Governess, or The Little Female Academy, by Sarah Fielding. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The Description of Miss Jenny Peace Miss Jenny Peace was just turned of fourteen, and could be called neither tall nor short of her age. But her whole person was the most agreeable that can be imagined. She had an exceeding fine complexion, with as much color in her cheeks as is the natural effect of perfect health her hair was light brown and curled in so regular and yet easy a manner as never to want any assistance from art her eyebrows which were not of that correct turn as to look as if they were drawn with a pencil and her eyelashes were both darker than her hair and the latter being very long gave such a shade to her eyes as made them often mistaken for black though they were only a dark hazel to give any description of her eyes beyond the colour and size which was perfectly the medium would be impossible except by saying they were expressive of everything that is amiable and good for through them might be read every single thought of the mind from whence they had such a brightness and cheerfulness as seemed to cast a lustre over her whole face she had fine teeth and a mouth answering to the most correct rules of beauty and when she spoke though you were at too great a distance to hear what she said there appeared so much sweetness mildness modesty and good-nature that you found yourself filled more with pleasure than admiration in beholding her the delight which every one took in looking on miss jenny is evident in this that though miss suki jennet and miss patty locket were both what may be called handsomer girls and if you ask any persons in company their opinion they would tell you so yet their eyes were a direct contradiction to their tongues by being continually fixed on miss jenny for while she was in the room it was impossible to fix them anywhere else she had a natural ease and gentility in her shape and all her motions were more pleasing though less striking than what is commonly acquired by the instruction of dancing masters such was the agreeable person of miss jenny peace who in her usual obliging manner and with an air pleasing beyond my power to express at the request of her companions began to relate the history of her life as follows the life of miss jenny peace my father dying when i was but half a year old i was left to the care of my mamma who was the best woman in the world and to whose memory i shall ever pay the most grateful honour from the time she had any children she made it the whole study of her life to promote their welfare and form their minds in the manner she thought would best answer her purpose of making them both good and happy for it was her constant maxim that goodness and happiness dwelt in the same bosoms and were generally found to life so much together that they could not easily be separated my mother had six children born alive but could preserve none beyond the first year except my brother harry peace and myself she made it one of her chief cares to cultivate and preserve the most perfect love and harmony between us my brother is but a twelfth month older than i so that till i was six years old for seven was the age in which he was sent to school he remained at home with me in which time we often had little childish quarrels but my mother always took care to convince us of our error in wrangling and fighting about nothing 
and to teach us how much more pleasure we enjoyed whilst we agreed she showed no partiality to either but endeavored to make us equal in all things any otherwise than that she taught me i owed a respect to my brother as the eldest before my brother went to school we had set hours appointed us in which we regularly attended to learn whatever was thought necessary for our improvement my mamma herself daily watching the opening of our minds and taking great care to instruct us in what manner to make the best use of the knowledge we attained whatever we read she explained to us and made us understand that we might be the better for our lessons when we were capable of thinking we made it so much a rule to obey our parent the moment she signified her pleasure that by that means we avoided many accidents and misfortunes for example my brother was running one day giddily around the brink of a well and if he had made the least false step he must have fallen to the bottom and been drowned my mamma by a sign with her finger that called him to her preserved him from the imminent danger he was in of losing his life and then she took care that we should both be the better for this little incident by laying before us how much our safety and happiness as well as our duty were concerned in being obedient my brother and i once had a quarrel about something as trifling as your apple of contention and though we both heartily wished to be reconciled to each other yet did our little hearts swell so much with stubbornness and pride that neither of us would speak first by which means we were so silly as to be both uneasy and yet would not use the remedy that was in our own power to remove that uneasiness my mamma found it out and sent for me into her closet and said she was sorry to see her instructions had no better effect on me for continued she indeed jenny i am ashamed of your folly as well as wickedness in thus contending with your brother a tear which i believe flowed from shame started from my eyes at this reproof and i fixed them on the ground being too much overwhelmed with confusion to dare to lift them up on mamma on which she kindly said she hoped my confusion was a sign of my amendment that she might indeed have used another method by commanding me to seek a reconciliation with my brother for she did not imagine i was already so far gone in perverseness as not to hold her commands as inviolable but she was willing for my good first to convince me of my folly as soon as my confusion would give me leave to speak on my knees i gave her a thousand thanks for her goodness and went immediately to seek my brother he joyfully embraced the first opportunity of being reconciled to me and this was one of the pleasantest hours of my life this quarrel happened when my brother came home at a breaking up and i was nine years old my mamma's principal care was to keep up a perfect amity between me and my brother i remember once when harry and i were playing in the fields there was a small rivulet stopped me in my way my brother being nimbler and better able to jump than myself with one spring leaped over and left me on the other side of it but seeing me uneasy that i could not get over to him his good nature prompted him to come back and to assist me and by the help of his hand i easily passed over on this my good mamma bid me remember how much my brother's superior strength might assist me in his being my protector and that i ought to return to use my utmost endeavours to oblige him 
and that then we should be mutual assistants to each other throughout life thus everything that passed was made use of to improve my understanding and amend my heart i believe no child ever spent her time more agreeably than i did for i not only enjoyed my own pleasures but also those of others and when my brother was carried abroad and i was left at home that he was pleased made me full amends for the loss of any diversion the contentions between us where our parents commands did not interfere were always exerted in endeavours each to prefer the other's pleasures to our own my mind was easy and free from anxiety for as i always took care to speak truth i had nothing to conceal from my mamma and consequently had never any fears of being found in a lie for one lie obliges us to tell a thousand others to conceal it and i have no notion of any conditions being so miserable as to live in a continual fear of detection most particularly my mamma instructed me to beware of all sorts of deceit so that i was accustomed not only in words to speak truth but also not to endeavour by any means to deceive but though the friendship between my brother and me was so strongly cultivated yet we were taught that lying for each other or praising each other when it was not deserved was not only a fault but a very great crime for this my mamma used to tell us was not love but hatred as it was encouraging one another in folly and wickedness and though my natural disposition inclined me to be very tender of everything in my power yet was i not suffered to give way even to this in an unreasonable degree one instance of which i remember when i was about eleven years old i had a cat that i had bred up from a little kitten that used to play around me till i had indulged for the poor animal a fondness that made me delight to have it continually with me wherever i went and in return for my indulgence the cat seemed to have changed its nature and assumed the manner that more properly belongs to dogs than cats for it would follow me about the house and gardens mourn for my absence and rejoice at my presence and what was very remarkable the poor animal would when fed by my hand lose that caution which cats are known to be possessed of and eat whatever i gave it as if it could reflect that i meant only its good and no harm could come from me i was at last so accustomed to see this little frisk for so i called it playing round me that i seemed to miss part of myself in its absence but one day the poor little creature followed me to the door when a parcel of schoolboys coming by one of them catched her up in his arms and ran away with her all my cries were to no purpose for he was out of sight with her in a moment and there was no method to trace his steps the cruel wretches for sport as they called it hunted it the next day from one to the other in the most barbarous manner till at last it took shelter in that house that used to be its protection and came and expired at my feet i was so struck with the sight of the little animal dying in that manner that the great grief of my heart overflowed at my eyes and i was for some time inconsolable my indulgent mamma comforted without blaming me till she thought i had sufficient time to vent my grief and then sending for me into her chamber spoke as follows jenny 
I have watched you ever since the death of your little favorite cat, and have been in hopes daily that your lamenting and melancholy on that account, but I find you still persist in grieving, as if such a loss was irreparable. Now, though I have always encouraged you in all sentiments of good nature and compassion, and am sensible that where those sentiments are strongly implanted, they will extend their influence even to the least animal, yet you are to consider, my child, that you are not to give way to any passions that interfere with your duty. For whenever there is any contention between your duty and your inclinations, you must conquer the latter, or become wicked and contemptible. If, therefore, you give way to this melancholy, how will you be able to perform your duty towards me, in cheerfully obeying my commands, and endeavoring by your lively prattle and innocent gaiety of heart, to be my companion and delight? Nor will you be fit to converse with your brother, whom, as you lost your good papa when you were too young to know that loss, I have endeavored to educate in such a manner, that I hope he will be a father to you, if you deserve his love and protection. In short, if you do not keep command enough of yourself to prevent being ruffled by every accident, you will be unfit for all the social offices of life, and be despised by all those whose regard and love are worth your seeking. I treat you, my girl, as capable of considering what is for your own good, for though you are but eleven years of age, yet I hope the pains I have taken in explaining all you read, and in answering all your questions in search of knowledge, has not been so much thrown away, but that you are more capable of judging than those unhappy children are whose parents have neglected to instruct them. And therefore, farther to enforce what I say, remember that repining at any accident that happens to you is an offense to that God to whom I have taught you daily to pray for all the blessings you can receive, and to whom you are to return humble thanks for every blessing. I expect, therefore, Jenny, that you now dry up your tears and resume your usual cheerfulness. I do not doubt, but your obedience to me will make you at least put on the appearance of cheerfulness in my sight. But you will deceive yourself if you think that is performing your duty. For if you would obey me as you ought, you must try heartily to root from your mind all sorrow and gloominess. You may depend upon it. This command is in your power to obey, for you know I never require anything of you that is impossible. After my mamma had made this speech, she went out to take a walk in the garden, and left me to consider of what she had said. The moment I came to reflect seriously, I found it was indeed in my power to root all melancholy from my heart, when I considered it was necessary, in order to perform my duty to God, to obey the best of mothers, and to make myself a blessing and a cheerful companion to her, rather than a burden, and the cause of her uneasiness by my foolish melancholy. This little accident, as managed by my mamma, has been a lesson to me in governing my passions ever since. It would be endless to repeat all the methods this good mother invented for my instruction, amendment, and improvement. It is sufficient to acquaint you that she contrived that every new day should open to me some new scene of knowledge, and no girl could be happier than I was during her life. But, alas, when I was thirteen years of age, the scene changed. 
my dear mamma was taken ill of a scarlet fever i attended her day and night whilst she lay ill my eyes starting with tears to see her in that condition and yet i did not dare to give my sorrows vent for fear of increasing her pain here a trickling tear stole from miss jenny's eyes she suppressed some rising sobs that interrupted her speech and was about to proceed in her story when casting her eyes on her companions she saw her sorrow had such an effect upon them all that there was not one of her hearers who could refrain from shedding a sympathizing tear she therefore thought it was more strictly following her mamma's precepts to pass this part of her story in silence rather than to grieve her friends and having wiped away her tears she hastened to conclude her story which she did as follows after my mamma's death my aunt newman my father's sister took care of me but being obliged to go to jamaica to settle some affairs relating to an estate she is possessed of there she took with her my cousin harriet her only daughter and left me under the care of the good mrs teacham until her return and since i have been here you all know as much of my history as i do myself as miss jenny spoke these words the bell summoned them to supper into the presence of their governess who having narrowly watched their looks ever since the fray had hit here too plainly perceived that though they did not dare to break out again into an open quarrel yet their hearts had still harboured unkind thoughts of one another she was surprised now as she stood at a window in the hall that overlooked the garden to see all her scholars walk towards her hand in hand with such cheerful countenances as plainly showed their inward good humour and as she thought proper to mention to them her pleasure in seeing them thus altered miss jenny pease related to her governess all that had passed in the arbour with their general reconciliation mrs teacham gave miss jenny all the applause due to her goodness saying she herself had only waited a little while to see if their anger would subside and love take its place in their bosoms without her interfering again for that she certainly should otherwise have done to have brought about what miss jenny had so happily effected miss jenny thanked her governess for her kind approbation and said that if she would give them leave she would spend what time she was pleased to allow them from school in this little arbour in reading stories and such things as she should think a proper and innocent amusement mrs teacham not only gave leave but very much approved of this proposal and desired miss jenny as a reward for what she had already done to preside over these diversions and to give her an account in what manner they proceeded miss jenny promised in all things to be guided by good mrs teacham and now soon after supper they retired to rest free from those uneasy passions which used to prevent their quiet and as they had passed the day in pleasure at night they sunk in soft and sweet repose End of section 4